I'm pulling out of the parking lot. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work and drop my daughter off at her college class. Okay, today is all about symbols. So one of the things about magic is often we will take a concept and represent it in a symbol form. Um, and so today I'm going to talk about all the symbols of magic. Um, there are a lot of them. So let's, let's jump in because there's so many to talk about. Okay, so let's start with probably the most famous symbols of magic, the mana symbols. So that goes back to the very beginning of the game. Uh, in Alpha, um, uh, Christopher Rush and Jesper Mirforce. Uh, Jesper was the very first art director, and Chris Rush did a lot of the early graphic design. Um, I did a whole podcast on Chris Rush, by the way. He passed away, sadly, a couple of a year or two ago. Um, and I did a podcast. You can see that on him. Um, anyway, they had to design the mana symbols. Uh, and so the idea was, what they wanted was, um, they were circles. They needed to be the proper color. Um, but they wanted some symbology to go beyond just the color. Partly to give a little extra flavor, and partly we have people who are colorblind who can't necessarily read between the colors. So they, what they wanted was a nice, clean, easy symbol that represented the color, but you could recognize the shape very easily. Um, so blue and red, I think, were the easiest because blue and red have elemental, element, elemental qualities to them. Blue is the color of air and water, and red is the color of earth and fire. Uh, water and fire tended to be a little bit easier than air and earth, respectively. Um, so they did a drop of water for blue. They did a swirl of fire for red. Um, green was also relatively straightforward, and that green's all about nature. Um, I think they looked at a couple different things. Um, they might have looked at a leaf. Um, but in the end, a tree seemed to be a nice, simple thing to represent the idea of, of nature and life. Um, black also wasn't super hard. Black... One of the things black cares about is death. It harnesses the power of death, death and decay. Um, and so they stumbled upon the idea of doing a skull, that a skull is a good symbology of death. Um, white was actually the hardest of them. Um, what exactly does white do that, that translates to a symbol? You know, white has a lot of chivalry to it, and it's very much about uh, the good of the group and about wanting peace, but none of that has a nice simple symbol to it. Eventually, though, they, they stumbled on the idea that white is the color of light. That one of the uh, white-black is the difference between lightness and dark. That, that black likes to work in darkness and likes things to be creepy. But white likes things to be clean and open and aware. And so um, they ended up making a sun for white, so that since white's the color of light. Um, now, so those premiered in Alpha in the very first game. Um, okay, a little trivia question for you. One of the mana symbols was changed later in the game. Uh, I think it was changed for Ice Age. So which symbol actually went through a change? Now, they didn't change what it was. It's still, uh, a cer it's still the same shape within the circle. But they sort of, the graphic design, they cleaned up a little bit. Do you know? The answer is planes. Planes got changed. The little sun got changed. Um, actually, a little trivia for you. There were some promo cards made for Ice Age that did not have, it was pre the change, so there's some promo cards that are the old version of the white mana symbol. Uh, we used to do some promo cards where we'd, we'd, we'd put out cards in advance of them being in the set. So there exists some promo versions of a couple white cards that have the old expansion symbol where the rest of the set has the new expansion symbol. Little, little scripture there. Um, another mana symbol that premiered with the uh, beginning of the game was the generic mana symbol. So the generic mana symbol is the symbol that goes in costs 
uh, that says, hey, this requires this amount of mana, but any anything can pay for this. It doesn't need to be a particular color. It could be colorless. Um, and that is always a sort of, um, sort of color to call it, like a gray circle, and it has a number in it. Uh, or it could have an X in it, if, if, if X is a, there's X values. Um, but basically, it has a number, anything from, um, I think we've done zeros in activations, uh, all the way up to, uh, in un, un, Unhinged, we have a, uh, um, we have a, it's a million, we have a million symbol. Um, oh, and also, I think uh, on, um, also, on Mox Lotus in Unhinged, it makes an infinity symbol, I believe. Um, but anyway, uh, Oh, so one of the funny things about that is uh, Arabian Nights, which was the very first expansion, Richard made a card called Aladdin's Lamp that he wanted to have a generic cost of 10. But at the time, they didn't know how to fit a 10, and they since figured it out. So on the original Arabian Nights version of Aladdin's Lamp, it has two fives. Uh, and that confused a lot of people. Like, 55? People were very confused by it. Um, so uh, now, originally, when the game first premiered, there's two different concepts. There's what's called a generic mana symbol, and there is a colorless mana symbol. Um, when the game first started, the colorless mana symbol... Um, did they use it? Well, at some point we started using the colorless mana... Actually, it didn't start in alpha. But we started using the colorless mana... The generic mana symbol for colorless. So if you would tap and add a certain amount of mana, you know, like Soul Ring, tap, add, and it would be a two in a circle. Uh, the problem is those don't mean the same thing. Um, a generic mana means any mana can be used to pay this cost, where colorless means this is colorless. So in Oath of the Gatewatch, we, for the first time ever, put a colorless cost in a, in a mana cost, which required us, now we had to differentiate between them because we couldn't use the same thing. Um, so we ended up making the colorless mana symbol, which is a diamond in the gray circle. Now we, it's a, now a standard thing that we use. Um, that, so that didn't exist in Oath of the Gatewatch, but you now will see that regularly showing up. Um, okay, also something you'll see a lot on Magic cards is the tap symbol. So the tap symbol originally in Alpha was not a symbol. It just said, tap this card, or tap colon. It just literally wrote out the word tap. And then eventually, the first symbol they made up was a T in a circle. Um, and But eventually, once we started getting into other languages, not every language... You know, the word the word for tap was, didn't start with T in every language. Not that every language even had a T in it. Um, so eventually they changed it. Uh, the next version was, I think, a card. looked like a card that had been turned. Um, and then eventually they did the version, which was the current version, which is the arrow that goes in a clockwise motion. Um, I should also mention this point. In Shadowmoor, we made the untap symbol, which is the tap symbol, um, like, reversed. I think it's like, uh, it's the, I think the arrow is dark on the uh, tap symbol, and so we swapped it so it's light on the untap symbol, I think. Um, and it goes counterclockwise rather than clockwise. The problem was they look similar enough that in a vacuum that when you weren't expecting uh, the untap symbol, especially if you didn't know it existed, uh, it just kind of read like a tap symbol, and people got very confused that they kind of looked at it, and it, it felt like a tap symbol. Um, so I'm not sure whether or not we'll use the untap symbol again. It's not particularly popular uh, or successful in, in its regards. Um, okay, so we have the mana symbols. We have the tap symbol. What else shows up on magic cards? Um, well, I, I should say on almost all magic cards. Uh, next is the expansion symbol. 
So the original idea when Richard was making the game, uh, for example, when he made Arabian Nights, which was the first expansion, he was going to change the back of the cards. And the idea would be every expansion would have a unique back so you could tell them apart. Uh, they realized right before they went to press that uh, probably would be a bad idea. Then you you couldn't shuffle your cards together without people being able to tell what, what they were from. Um, be aware that uh, sleeves didn't really exist way, way back in the day. So the sleeves weren't really an option just yet. Um, they did come along relatively early, although opaque sleeves took a little while longer to show up. Anyway, uh, so instead of changing the back, they came up with the idea of making a symbol to represent what expansion it's from. So Arabian Nights, for example, is the first expansion had a scimitar. Um, Antiquities, the second expansion, was all about uh, artifacts that had an anvil. Um, Legends was the third one. It had a Roman column. Um, so what happened was, they, the idea here is it was a means by which for you to tell from the symbol on the card where it came from. Now, eventually, in, during Urza Saga block, I believe, uh, we started doing uh, rarities. Uh, and so, in the early days, all the expansion symbols were the same expansion symbol. I think they were usually black. Uh, but now, or actually, they weren't black. They were probably silver in the early days. They were like uh, a grayish. Well, I guess they were black or gray, depending on what the expansion symbol was. There, there were some of both. Um, yeah, one of the funny early stories is there were a lot of very simple shapes, but we started running out of obvious shapes. Uh, so, in, in um, Homelands, it took place on a new world. And so they decided they wanted to show the world, so they sort of made a globe of the world. The problem was that the reason you recognize a globe of the Earth is you kind of recognize the shapes of the continents. So you go, you, your brain goes, oh, that's a globe. So when they sort of made up shapes, because it was a made-up world, people didn't read globe out of it. Uh, and we got a lot of questions like, why is the Homelands expansion symbol a cookie? You know, stuff like that. Um, and over the years, by the way, we've definitely had to extrapolate a little bit. There's not just an infinite number of clean and simple shapes that you can read on expansion symbols. So we've gotten a little more creative in some of our expansion symbols. Um, anyway, starting with, I think, Ursa Saga block, um, in the middle, I believe, we started doing expansion, uh, uh, rarity symbols on expansions. So now the commons were black, uh, the uncommons were silver, the rares were gold, and then later Mythic Rare would come along, and that's kind of a reddish-orange. Um, so that also affected us. Now we have to have shapes that work, not just that are readable, that make sense to the set, but also that can work in all the different versions of the, the rarity symbols. So that, that definitely made things a little more complicated. Okay, another trivia question for you. So, on a normal set, uh, you will see on almost every card, minus land, and even some lands have uh, mana symbols. Uh, you'll see mana symbols in most cards. Um, you'll see tap symbols on a lot of cards, but not all the cards. You'll see expansion symbols in all the cards. There's one more symbol that shows up in almost every magic card. What symbol is it? Dun, 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 dun. It is the artist symbol, a little paintbrush. It's on the bottom of the card. Um, so what happened was, originally we just spelled out like I don't think we spelled out illustrated, but we like I-L-L-U-S period or something. Um, and what we realized was when we went to different languages, we needed to then translate the, the credit. Uh, the name we didn't translate because that's their name. Um, so what we realized is we made a little uh, symbol, which is a little paintbrush, to represent this as the artist, then we didn't have to say it in words and didn't have to translate it. Um, so the little paintbrush represents artists. Okay, so let's talk about some symbols that are not in every set, um, but are in some sets. Uh, so first we'll start with uh, hybrid mana. So hybrid mana first showed up in Ravnica, the first Ravnica. Um, 
I, I was I was experimenting with how to represent colors. I was I was because the guilds were two colors. I was representing with how to have um, how to mess around with mana that could be about two colors. I came up with this idea of how about a symbol that means I can be one of two colors. Obviously, generic can be any of five colors. But what if I'm more specific? This is uh, you must use red or green mana to cast this. Um, so we talked a lot about how to make the hybrid symbols. In the end, we ended up just making them um, sort of a yin-yang shaped of normal mana symbols. So a red-green hybrid symbol would be a red swirl of fire, you know, the red symbol, and the green tree. And so you would recognize going, oh, I see a red symbol mana symbol. I see a green mana symbol. Oh, this is one or the other. Um, we did a variant on it in Shadowmoor, which is technically called monocolored hybrid. Uh, it's often known as two-brid. And that is where it is either mana or it's two. And so those symbols were hybrid symbols, except one symbol is the colored mana symbol, one symbol is like a generic two. Um, and the idea there is you must pay either this color or pay two. Um, okay, similar to that is Phyrexian mana, which showed up in New Phyrexia. So Phyrexian mana um, looks like colored mana, but has a Phyrexian symbol, which is a, like a phi, I guess, uh, the Greek letters. It's a circle with a line through it. Um, and uh, so that represents the idea of a, a Phyrexian mana symbol is you must spend either that color mana or two life to cast it. Um, it was the idea of the Phyrexians had taken over the Mirans, and we wanted to represent that. Um, uh, and we wanted to do some colored artifacts, but we wanted a different way to show that. So all the permanents that have Phyrexian mana are also art are colored artifacts. Um, also, talking of costs, we have snow mana. So snow mana came from uh, Cold Snap. Um, the original Ice Age had uh, snow-covered basic lands, and um, there was such thing as snow-covered lands. When we uh, discovered, in, in air quotes that you can't see, uh, the missing third set, which was a gimmick, by the way, for somehow people... Uh, when, we, when we released Cold Snap, we told people we found it in a file cabinet, like tongue-in-cheek, like, we, it had been lost and we found it, kind of like they find old episodes of TV shows and stuff. Um, and anyway, Randy Bueller, who was more of a straight guy, was the one that did it. And they didn't realize he was joking and everyone thought we were being serious and we weren't. And anyway, um, uh, Cold Snap was a riff off of Ice Age. It was the, you're missing the third set. And so we came up with Snow Mana. So Snow Mana looks like a little snowflake. Uh, and it shows up in costs um, that you can spend Snow Mana uh, I believe any permanent that produces mana that itself is snow has the quality of snow in its mana. Um, and that, and you, you'll see it, I think we have it both, for sure we have an activation cost. Do we put it in mana cost? I don't think we did any in mana cost. Although, I mean, it would work in mana cost. Okay, next. Uh, the loyalty symbol first showed up in Lorwyn on Planeswalkers. So the loyalty symbol, um, Usually, the Planeswalkers um, have three uh, loyalty abilities. Sometimes they have four. Um, and sometimes on double face cards, I guess they can have more. Um, but uh, they, it's on the left side. It shows how much loyalty. Either there's a plus or a minus before the number. Um, so, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The loyalty, I, I take this back. There's, well, there's two different symbols. There's the loyalty symbol that shows how much loyalty it comes into play with. And that's the bottom right-hand corner. And there's a variant of that that shows the cost that has a plus and minus. 
Is that all the same? That might all be the same symbol. Well, I mean, slightly adjusted, I think. But anyway, uh, the loyalty symbols show up on um, Planeswalkers, and it shows how much loyalty they have, and then shows them how, how much loyalty you gain or lose by using an ability. Um, next, we have level symbols. So level symbols showed up in Rise of the Eldrazi. We had a, a mechanic called Level Up. And the way it worked is a creature that had this would have usually three different levels. And then it would show you, but left, you would spend mana to get level counters, and then it would tell you how many level counters, what the creature was at that level. So the, the level uh, symbol was kind of a, it was an arrow, essentially. It was sort of a, imagine like a rectangle with a triangle on the right-hand side that makes it into an arrow. Um, and so it showed you how much um, level up counters you needed to level up, to go to the next level. Uh, and then beside that would be um, a, new, a text box and a power toughness box that would go with that. Okay, next symbol, the tombstone icon. So this goes back to Odyssey. So Odyssey had a graveyard theme, and so we made a bunch of cards that cared about the graveyard. And so what we did was... Um, we wanted to make sure that there's some clue to tell you when there was a card that mattered in the graveyard. Um, the main thing, obviously, was flashback, um, but there were a few other cards that had functions in the graveyard. So any card that had a function in the graveyard, we would put a symbol on it, a little graveyard symbol, to tell you. Uh, the intention was that we were going to keep that symbol, and that was just going to be something Magic did to tell you when something was active in the graveyard. The problem was, right after Odyssey, or shortly after Odyssey, I think... In Mirrodin, we were redoing the frames, and we figured out while we were working, like the tail end of it, we figured out that Mirrodin, the new frames wouldn't fit the symbol, and so we um, made the call to Audible to being just an Odyssey block thing, um, and so only Odyssey block had a little the little tombstone symbol. Next, the Planeswalker symbol, so. Uh, the brand team many years ago decided someone on the brand team was like driving in their car one day and they saw a McDonald's but it, the sign didn't say McDonald's the sign just had the golden arches you know the yellow arches with the, on a red sign and it didn't even say McDonald's the restaurant didn't even announce its name and the person who was driving said that's interesting look at that they don't that symbol is so synonymous with the product that they don't have to tell you the name of the product, you just know what the product is. Um, and so they decided that Magic should have one of those symbols. So we talked a bit, and we decided that we'd like a symbol that kind of represented Magic as a whole and the Planeswalkers. Um, and so ended up calling the Planeswalker symbol. So if you notice, it's a symbol that has five points at top that come down to one point. So the idea is there's five colors of Magic that five colors come together. Um, also, if you ever have seen, we don't do this often, but the few times we've done planes walking, where you physically can see planes walking, usually the, the act of making it makes a little symbol look like a planeswalker symbol, a little more abstract than the symbol. Um, and we started that planeswalker symbol using it on a lot of products. If you ever bought a t-shirt with us, oftentimes on the back of the shirt, we'll have a little, um, a little uh, planeswalker symbol. Um, but anyway, it became synonymous. Um, and then, in future sight, on the future shifted cards, we made these brand new cards, and one of the things we did is we identified the card type with an icon on the card, uh, and we used the Planeswalker symbol there, and then we made symbols for all the card types that, that went there. Um, we would later use those on Magic Online to represent card types, so um, there's a card type for each item. 
Uh, shapes are tough, and I don't know off the top of my head, but there, there's a shape for each of the car types. Uh, we first saw them in the Future Sight Framed, and um, now they appear on Magic Online. Okay, next, the Chaos Symbol. The Chaos Symbol is a symbol from uh, Plane Chase. So Plane Chase is a game, it's a, um, a supplemental set, uh, we, we've made more than one, um, where the premise of it is you are dueling. And it, uh, there are larger cards called plane cards that tell you what plane you're fighting on. Um, depending what plane you're on, it influences the battle. Um, plane chase was kind of influenced by something called Enchant Worlds um, that existed back in Legends, where only one could be in play at once and it affected how the game played. Um, now, the way the plane chase works is each turn, there's a die called a planer die. And you can roll the die. And on the die is a planeswalker symbol uh, and a chaos symbol. So the planeswalk symbol means that you planeswalk and you change the plane, you go to a new plane. The chaos symbol means that something happens on the world. And there, there are sets that have, um, or I think every world has a chaos effect, meaning if you roll the chaos symbol, this effect happens. So usually there's a static ability um, and then there's a ability that can happen. I guess some of them only have... Some of them only have a chaos ability, um, or some of them, actually, most of them have a static ability and a chaos ability. I think some might only have a chaos ability. Uh, we've messed around with them a, a, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch. Um, okay, the chaos symbol. So that shows up um, only on plane cards and on the planar die. Next, the DFC symbol. So we've done three different sets of DFC symbols. The first one showed up in Innistrad. Uh, on the front was a sun, on the back was a moon. Um, then they showed up on Magic Origins. The front was, might have been the creature symbol, and the back is the planeswalker symbol. And then we went in Eldritch Moon. Well, we went back uh, in Shadows of Innistrad, and in Shadows of Innistrad, I believe it was, again, a, a sun and a moon. And I believe on Eldritch Moon, the front side was the moon, and then the back side was sort of this um, Emrakul, or Drazi sort of symbol. Um, so whenever we do double face cards, oh, we did, okay, there must be symbols, I didn't write this down. Uh, there also are double face cards in Ixalan, so that has, I didn't write that down. There's obviously symbols on those as well, and they wouldn't be the ones I just named because none of that makes sense. But there are symbols that make sense with that, um, maybe like a compass or something, I'm trying to remember what they were. But anyway, they're also, they appear on double face cards in Innistrad. Um, next, uh, in Kaladesh, we introduced Energy. So energy is a little lightning bolt, and it's another resource, and cards can give you energy, and cards can spend energy in cost, not in mana cost, but in cost on the card. Um, and so uh, we made this little symbol. So you, uh, it represents a token that you get, that you, or a counter that you get that you get to keep, and those counters can be used to spend mana. Obviously, um, you guys are playing, energy is played a lot right now, so I'm sure people know of energy. Um, okay, next. Um, I think where these came from, the color indicators. So I know we use them on double face cards. Do they pre-exist double face cards? I'm not sure. Um, so what happened was I think they, they showed up for the first time on double face cards. So we were making a card. Um, so for example, uh, Garrick in uh, Innistrad, the front side of Garrick is green, but the back side of Garrick is black and green. He transforms, he gets cursed, and now he becomes black and green. Well, how do we, how do we tell you that? Um, and so what we did is we make a symbol that goes on. So whenever we need you to know the color of the card and there's not a mana symbol in the upper right-hand corner to tell you, because that's the way you normally know, um, 
or if the card has a color quality different than its mana symbol, um, we make a little symbol that um, tells you. I guess the, the devoid has a keyword since we didn't know how to show you in a symbol that it was colorless. Um, but if a, a card is a color other than what it normally is, or if the backs of a card that doesn't have mana cost, we have this little, uh, it's a circle basically that's like a color usually. Um, so if it's a red card, just the red circle. Um, but that is used to indicate, um, that is used to indicate um, what color it is. Okay, uh, the last symbol is a little different kind of a symbol. Um, so we have these things called watermarks. So what a watermark is, is um, behind the rules text of a card, it's a symbol that we can do, and then we can put the text over the symbol, but the symbol, you can draw it out so you can see the symbol. Um, so the first place I think we did a watermark was in original Ravnica. We made up symbols for the 10 guilds. Um, and so each of the 10 guilds had its own symbol, and then we had certain rules when you got a guild symbol. Uh, you go read my articles. I, I, I talked about this quite a bit. Uh, it had to do, like, there were five layers of how connected to the guild you were, and I think three and up got a, got a symbol. But basically, it's like, are you using the keyword mechanic? Um, are you multicolored? Or are you monocolored but using an off-color activation, meaning do you need two colors to optimize yourself? Uh, or do you reference um, either the color or uh, the basic land type of another color? Um, but anyway, we used it there, and the thing we realized was it allowed us to start um, using that symbol elsewhere. Um, for example, in Return to Ravnica, we gave away pins in the, um, the, the pre-release boxes, and we, we made shirts and um, stickers, and you know, we, we, we've really been able to use those symbols and do a lot of cool things with them. And there's a lot of identification that comes with symbols, so it's been pretty fun. Um, Okay, the next place we used watermarks, I believe, was Scars of Mirrodin. Uh, we, uh, Scars of Mirrodin was a conflict between the Mirans and the Phyrexians. And so what we did is um, the Phyrexian had the Phyrexian symbol, obviously, the circle with the, the line thread. And then we made a Mirren symbol for the Mirrans, uh, which is sort of a circle with lines threads. That's hard to describe. Um, but anyway, once again, we made shirts with that, and we used watermarks on the cards. Uh, one of the reasons that was important was we wanted to just show the spread of um, of new uh, on new Phyrexia of, of Phyrexians, uh, you know, of Mirrodin. Uh, and so the idea is in the first set, I think there was like 20% of the cards at Phyrexia, and the second set, 50%, and the third set, I think it was like 90%. So you just could see Phyrexia growing over it. Um, the other place that we use watermarks uh, on uh, to, to show factions was in Khans of Tarkir. We actually, by the way, did three different sets of them. So um, the first set had the the wedges, the the clans that were three color. So that was um, Abzan, Jeskai, Sultai, Mardu, and Timur, um, and they represented the five parts of the dragon. The, the claw of the dragon, the wing of the dragon. Um, and so that represented them. And then in Fate Reforged, we went back and it's kind of proto version of them. So they had symbols uh, that only showed up, I think, in the center color, I believe. Uh, but it was a proto version of it. And then when we went to Dragons of Tarkir, it's an altered version where they were based on the dragons and there were two colors. And once again, we use a version of... So, you could follow, the, the base color follows all the way through, but there are three different versions of it. Um, uh, in cons, for example, we did another thing where we did shirts and things where people could identify. 
Um, the one other place that we've used uh, watermarks uh, is on the story cards. Um, we have cards that represent the uh, points in the story. And um, there are some number of them. It used to be five in every set. Now it varies. Um, there is a, a watermark of a Planeswalker symbol to show you that it's a, a story card. So if you ever see a, a, a Planeswalker watermark on a card, that means it's a story card. Also, you look at the bottom, it'll tell you the bottom. that you know, uh, It'll say like one of five or one of four, however many there are. Um, are there any other watermarks? Um, oh, the one other symbol that you might have seen on a magic card is the wizard symbol. So wizards has a little shooting star. Um, we have used that occasionally uh, on promo cards. And I think there might have been some watermarks with the wizard symbol and some promo cards as well. I'm sure I'm missing, uh, for promo, like I think D, we've used DCI as a watermark on some promo cards. There's some watermarks for promo cards that I'm forgetting. I know we use the wizard star. I know we use DCI. Um, but anyway, uh, there are a lot of watermarks. And uh, normally, by the way, watermarks, um, so one of the things about a lot of these symbols is, um, when we uh, the the way the rules work for tournaments is uh, whenever you see a card every you treat every card as the English version of that card um, and there's a there's a definitive version of it and all cards are that version um, so since there are some things that change between cards like watermarks watermarks cannot be affected by rules same with expansion symbols um, there were some um, cards early in Magic that did care about expansion symbols. Um, there are cards that like, would wipe out all the cards from its expansion. We've redone them in Oracle, so they literally name all the cards that they affect, rather because we no longer because you can reprint a card, so it might not have the same expansion symbol on it. Um, now unsets can care, and obviously unstable is now public. Um, there was a you know there's a watermark matter, a tiny watermark matter theme because that's something you can care about in Silver Border. They can't care about in Black Border. Um, same with expansion symbols. You know, Silver Border will care about expansion symbols. That's not something. Um, you can care about mana symbols because that's consistent across all cards, and tap symbols are consistent across all cards, but expansion symbols are not, um, and uh, the watermarks are not. But anyway, so uh, that, my friends, is all the symbols. So one of the things I want to say that's really cool is the power of symbology that really... You know, we've made a lot of shirts, and a lot of shirts we make are of the symbols, of, of mana symbols. Uh, we've done tap symbols. We've done expansion symbols. We've done faction watermark symbols. Um, I even have a, a hybrid symbol. That was a specially made one. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of cool stuff, and people really sort of identify. Um, symbols are very powerful, very potent. Um, we try to balance it. You know, we don't want to have too many symbols, because we've learned... Um, there are games where you play them and there's just like, the very first thing you see is 18 symbols. Like, whoa, whoa, too much. So we try to make sure that we use our symbols carefully and not overuse our symbols. Um, but as, you know, you can see that um, we're, we've been more willing in, in more recent days to explore frame changes and all sorts of different things. And part of that is being willing to look when we need to to get interesting new icons when they make sense. Uh, try not to introduce too many at once or anything. But anyway, there's a... Hopefully today was just a, a look at sort of the, the uh, symbology of magic. And there's been a lot of symbols over the years. So it was kind of fun talking it all through. But I'm at work. So that means, well, we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.